0: Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Our text for our sermon is the gospel history as recorded by the Apostle John in chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the hometown of Lazarus who had died, the one Jesus raised from the dead. They gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about 12 ounces of very expensive perfume, pure nard, and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was going to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He did not say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He held the money box and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She intended to keep this for the day of my burial. Indeed, the poor you always have with you, but you are not always going to have me. This is the gospel history of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as a pastor, the phone often rings in my office with people who need pastoral care. But I have to admit to you, if I were to add up the amount of times that I'd answered the phone... And, and, and count what the true needs were, probably the bulk of the time i 've answered the phone it 's been somebody who was had a, a sad story, and they may have truly been poor, but were looking for help now we know that judas 's motives were to steal this offering, and what Mary gave was truly an offering to the lord but the fact that so many of the times that my phone rings, it's people looking for a financial help because they're poor, even though Judas's motives were wrong, wasn't the principle he was applying correct? Our sermon theme today will answer the question, wouldn't it have been better stewardship if the perfume was sold and used for the poor? Now, as we jump into this, we need to remember... It is literally seven days before Jesus will be nailed to the cross for your and my sins. And to answer the question, we want to, answer, we want to, we want to look at verse 7. Literally in the inspired Greek that John wrote, uh, if we translate it very literally into English, it would be, Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may preserve it until the day of my burial preparation. John left out what, his con- what the context clearly supplies. So uh, if we supply the context, that sentence makes a lot better sense. The context is Judas is complaining because she didn't sell the perfume, right? So let's put that in. Jesus said, leave her alone. She didn't sell it so that she may preserve it until the day of my burial preparation. The Greek word that John uses literally is to prepare for burial. In... Those days, they didn't embalm bodies. When somebody died, their body was going to literally rot away in a tomb. So they put perfume on it to cover up the smell. It was the custom. And our translation says it very well. When the Evangelical Heritage Version translates verse 7, Jesus replied, leave her alone. She intended to keep this for the day of my burial. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, the biggest thing I want you to get out of this sermon, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to figure out Mary knew Jesus was going to die. She intentionally put this perfume on, as Matthew and Mark say, his head as well, but we find out from John especially his feet, to prepare him for his burial. She knew he was going to Jerusalem to die. Did she know the exact day? Probably not. But she knew Jesus was going to Jerusalem to die. How could she have possibly known that? Well, Jesus himself said it many times. And if we look at just a couple of outstanding examples in the last year of his public ministry, he's out there for three years, but the last year, we're told in Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 32, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the experts in the law, be killed... And after three days rise again. He was speaking plainly to them. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now this is where Jesus tells Peter, uh, get thee behind me, Satan. See, Jesus was already telling them, I'm going to Jerusalem to die for our sins. And unfortunately, the disciples, because they were thinking of an earthly political kingdom, what they were hearing was kind of the old Charlie Brown teacher, wah, 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 wah. They knew he was going there to die, and yet it didn't stick. In fact, another time in that same year, later in Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 33, we're told, In that very hour, some Pharisees came to him and said, Leave and go away from here, because Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go tell that fox, Look, I'm going to drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the next day. Because it cannot be that a prophet would be killed outside Jerusalem. Jesus is even telling his enemies he's going to die in Jerusalem. Everybody should know this. It's blatantly there. And it's after he says this that he goes to the house of Mary and Martha. And Martha, God bless her, natural gift, she's serving. And Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha, it's an offering she gives to the Lord that she's serving him. But she says, Lord, tell my sister to help me. And Jesus doesn't say, Martha, your offering of serving me is wrong. But he says, Mary has chosen the better. They're both offerings. They're both good offerings. But Mary is listening. And we're also told then, right there towards the end, which really kicks the Sanhedrin off wanting to murder him, is that Lazarus, their brother, gets really sick. And they send a message to Jesus. Lazarus is really sick. And he seems to dilly-dally getting there. The disciples don't want him to go. They know that they're plotting his murder in Jerusalem. And Jesus even tells them Lazarus is sleeping. And they say, well, if he's sleeping, and they find, no, 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 you don't get it. Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is going to be in the tomb four days, long enough to decompose. When he says to roll the tomb, the stone away, uh, Lazarus's sister says, surely not, Lord. It's going to have an awful stench. He's been decomposing. But... Before he goes to raise Lazarus from the tomb we 're told uh, from the grave we 're told in John eleven verse sixteen then Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples let 's go too so that we may die with him at this time. The disciples might be missing that he 's going to die for our sins, but they get that he 's going to die in Jerusalem it just didn 't stick, but Mary had sat at the feet of Jesus, listened to his words. She didn't need special revelation from the Holy Spirit. She heard the words he talked to her before he rose her brother from the dead. I am the the resurrection and the life. And she, by the Holy Spirit, was able to remember those words and recognize he's going to Jerusalem to die for her sins and for your sins and my sins. Mary connected the dots when the disciples did not This was a gift from the Holy Spirit, but not a special revelation. She simply was listening, and the new person in her, the new lady, clung to those words. So when the disciples even missed it, and of course later on Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit would come and connect those dots for them, we do have to ask the question, why do so many stay away from Bible study? Why do so many think that they don't even need to come to church and hear the word proclaimed because they think they can hear it once and master it? The the disciples missed it. Mary was the one who got it. So in verse 8, we're told, indeed, the poor you always have with you, but you are not always going to have me. Notice Jesus doesn't say it's a sin to help the poor. Jesus doesn't say don't help the poor. No, he says you're always going to have them. That will always be there. But I'm not always going to be with you. Jesus knows Mary gives this special offering in preparation for his burial because she knows Jesus is going to die for her sins and your sins and my sins. So Jesus is not outright dismissing the needs of the poor, but there are times that require special offerings. Now, we also have to ask ourselves, as we ask that question, wouldn't it have been better stewardship if the perfume was sold and used for the poor? We have to ask ourselves, what is the mission of the church? I'm not talking about an individual congregation. I'm talking the invisible church of God made up of all believers. What is the mission of the church? They're already believers. The meaning of life is to come to faith in Christ and have eternal life. But once you have that, the meaning of life changes. Now it's to glorify God. And it's not to glorify God because God needs his ego, Pat. God is glorified when we trust in him, that we can't save ourselves, but he did. And God, therefore, is glorified when we share with others the good news of salvation in Christ. And so from there on out, what we do with our offerings, it's meant to share that proclamation of the good news of salvation in Christ. And we become stewards of that. If we gave all of our money away to help the poor, then we wouldn't have a church and we wouldn't be able to encourage each other with the forgiveness of sins. And the poor would not get to hear that good news of salvation in Christ. And they might have a miserable life here and then have a miserable life because they die in unbelief. Now, something else I want to point out. This is stewardship. And there are several principles of stewardship that are involved. And there are times in our own congregation and stuff, and and when you hear about in the early Christian church, they're helping the widows and stuff, they were looking out for their own, their Christian family. maybe, Maybe not their biological family. It seems a lot of people think the mission of the church is simply to throw away money as if we have a money tree growing in the backyard, but we need to heat our building in the wintertime and we want to be able to tell others, advertise, hey, it's Easter, come and hear about the resurrection of the Lord. So it's all stewardship there. And there is such a thing that we call the culture of poverty. Some people are poor because of health reasons and things beyond their control but I've served plenty of people who are poor because they're incredibly bad stewards with their money. Pastor, can the church help me pay my heating bill? Wow, you have a nicer cell phone than I do. You have a nicer car than I do. While I may be wearing a suit, the clothes you're wearing are very expensive. That jer- that basketball jersey, you spent as much money just on that shirt as I did on this suit. Sometimes. People are poor because they're very bad stewards with their money. And helping them in some circumstances may be making the situation worse. So we've got to be good stewards. And in Mary's case, she saw this was a special offering, a once in one person's lifetime offering. Now, when she gives that, she, as we're told, she pours it on Jesus' head, but John tells us she pours it on his feet. We're told that the second half of verse 3, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, perfume that would have normally filled a tomb. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was going to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He did not say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He held the money box and used to steal what was put into it. Now, we've already shared it's not a sin to help the poor. But there are times we give special offerings, so it's a stewardship issue. But here we want to cover, Judas had a different motive, didn't he? And lots of times when people start telling other people how to give their offerings to the Lord, you're going to find there's a different motive. Neither Mary's offering nor Martha's offering think about it, Martha's serving, that's also an offering she gave to the Lord. If you're going to apply that principle, wouldn't it be better stewardship to per, that the, if the perfume were sold and used for the poor? Why stop at Mary's service? Why not also go to Martha's where Martha is serving the people? Wouldn't it have been better if she'd have planned and, and, and held that banquet and served at a banquet for the poor who were hungry? Ultimately... When do we stop asking that question and start being stewards? Neither Mary nor Martha's very special offering was any of Judas's business. He saw it happening. He was receiving the benefits from it. But it wasn't his service. It wasn't his perfume. It wasn't his money. It was none of his business. And yet... We see many times when people seem to be concerned and tell you how to give your offerings, we see a selfish sinfulness behind it. And a good example of this, uh, not every television evangelist is an awful person, but a lot of them seem to be prosperity theology. That's the idea. Not that you get a cross if you serve God, but if you give, then God's going to make things really great for you and prosper you in this life. And one, one time I was watching a guy and he was screaming, are you poor? Are you broke? Uh, then scrape together, find every spare penny you can, scrape it together, find anything you can sell in your house, and sell it. And then send the money specifically into the, we'll just say Bob Barker Smith Jones ministry. It's not, was not the ministry. And Jesus is going to get you out of debt. And as he's saying this, he's waving a Bible in the air. The Bible never says, give until you, if you're broke, give until you have absolutely nothing left to give. And specifically in three years, Jesus will get you out of debt. Never said in the Bible. And like I said, sometimes being poor is actually a blessing from God. But as he's waving that Bible in the air, the camera operator zoomed in on it, trying to get the emphasis. And as he was zooming in, the man happened, it also happened to catch the watch on his wrist. And it zoomed in so closely, you could read the manufacturer, Rolex. This guy wasn't trying to help people with their offering like Judas he was trying to get them to give their offering to his ministry so he could blow their money. Poor people, he was taking advantage of them. So sometimes asking that question wouldn't it have been better stewardship if the perfume was sold and used for the poor. Like Judas, it's hiding a more selfish motive. And it can be hiding that selfish motive when, for example, the church has a special offering. We've grown and we want to be able to pave our parking lot or something. And then somebody doesn't give to that offering But then they certainly have a strong opinion, even though they didn't give to that special offering of how it should have been used. Well, uh, how they should spend it. Well, maybe they should realize since they didn't care to support that offering, maybe it's none of their business. But brothers and sisters in Christ, there are other times, for example, when uh, people are giving extra money to pay off a church debt and suddenly you don't have money to pay the heating bill, and you don't have money to buy the Sunday school supplies and the paper to print the bulletins. Is there a sin involved? No. But in stewardship, it might be time to tell people, we also got to support the day-to-day ministry. That's also glorifying God. Both Mary and Martha gave two different services that day, but both were glorifying God. Uh, But we also have to add... Our church here, the pulpit and the lectern and the altar and the baptismal font, they were all a special offering made by uh, the original pastor here's uh, brother as as a wonderful gift to the Lord that continued to serve to the glory of God. But imagine if if a member with their heart in the right place said, you know, I would like to have a gigantic statue of Jesus made. It'd go all the way up to the ceiling and I want his hands spread out. We'll have to scoot the pulpit and lectern over. This is so big, we're going to have to scoot our our pews uh, back. Well, this is going to impact what the rest of us have given in our offerings, too. So maybe there's a point where sometimes somebody's heart in the right place needs to be told this is not the best stewardship. So there's many things in stewardship in giving an offering. And we want to be careful that we don't give offerings with strings attached. Too many strings attached as if the offering is actually given so that somebody's sinful nature can gain control of something in the church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, both Mary and Martha gave a beautiful offering to the Lord. It wasn't the first time Martha had served the Lord. Mary gave a one-time offering. Yes, it was a very special offering. She had set it aside. She had planned for it. And she's the only one who ever gets to give this offering. It was to prepare the Lord for his death. And we notice she didn't use a towel to dry Jesus' feet. She used her hair. Now, if she could afford this perfume and her sister could afford to to help serve at this banquet and everything, chances are she could afford the towel. This was a very special offering because Martha, or Mary, knew her Lord was going to Jerusalem to die for her sins and for your sins and my sins. Now, remember, when Jesus does die, he dies on Friday night, but the sun had set. So for the Jewish way of thinking, this is now the Sabbath. If you touched his body, you were unclean. And if you prepared his body, that was a sin because you would be working. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, both members of the Sanhedrin, go to Pilate. They get the body and they place it in the tomb. But they're not able to put all the perfumes and everything on him as was normally the custom. They didn't have to. You'll notice Mary and Martha were not some of the women at the feet of the tomb. I mean, at the feet of the cross. And Sunday morning when those women go to the tomb, you know they were going there to do this because now the Sabbath was over, the sun was rising you'll notice that Mary and Martha weren't with them. Why? Because Mary had already known and she had prepared the Lord's body in advance. And this is a powerful enough perfume that when all the people at the foot of the cross, all those women and Jesus's mother and the disciple John and the Roman soldiers, they probably were still smelling it on his body. Was it wrong for Mary not to sell this and give it to the poor? Absolutely not. She knew. She gave an offering that was fit for a king's burial. And she gave it a week in advance, knowing Jesus was gonna die. Now, Jesus dies a criminal's death because he takes your place. He takes my place. He says, I'm guilty of your sin and you're innocent. And he takes the punishment so that he can wash our sin away. And his body had already been prepared. Now, he dies with the criminals, but because of Joseph of Arimathea who also uniquely blessed to give a one time offering, Joseph of Arimathea had that tomb freshly hewn out unused and he gave it to the Lord. Now in his case he gets the he gets it's it's been used but he gets it back as a, as a, as the Lord is glorified in raising from our grave. So just like Joseph of Arimathea, just like Mary, we see a personal offering given in tremendous gratitude for the Lord. Let me wrap up today's sermon with Mark 14, verses 6 through 9, Mark's recording of this event. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. In fact, you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you're not always going to have me. She did what she could. She anointed my body beforehand for burial. Amen. I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman did will also be told in memory of her. Jesus gives her a special honor for her offering to glorify him out of thanks because she knew he was going to die for her sins and rise and she knew that he had already raised her brother Lazarus from the tomb. Would it have been better stewardship if the perfume was sold and used for the poor? No. What Mary did was prepare her Lord's body for burial and so it was ready and she prepared it as fitting the God of all creation who had taken on human flesh. And so you and I prepare, that's Palm Sunday for Holy Week, we prepare for that time in which we will celebrate on Friday, celebrate a funeral, the funeral for our Lord, because we know there he's paying for our sins, and we prepare when we will rejoice, the tomb is empty on Sunday morning, where we can be assured that our sins are forgiven, and we can thank the Lord. God put it in Mary's heart. She knew by listening to the word and she gave a, once, a one person ever to be able to give this offering just as Joseph of Arimathea gave the offering of his tomb to our Lord because she knew he was going to die for your and my and her sins and rise victorious. Amen. Now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen.